Warning, the following podcast may contain some fits of extreme nerd rage, especially when it comes to the world of professional wrestling. As such, there may be a few colorful pieces of language thrown around. Listener discretion is advised. What's going on, everybody? We are back. What, what up? A, what, what up? What up? What up? Woo! We are back, ladies and gentlemen. It has been way too long since before WrestleMania since we've had this show. And I don't know about yeah. you, but I am so glad to be back. I am, of course, your host, Mr. James Shimo. And, of course, I've got my good buddy with me, Mr. Ryan Payne. Ryan, how you doing tonight, man? Uh, like you, I'm a little exhausted, but you know, it's still, I'm still good. I mean, other than like, yeah, WrestleMania and a couple, and every other meetup we've had, any other time we've hung out, we really have not done this in a while. And I swear, it almost started to feel like we were not going to do it again, only when we were personally uh, messaging each other. But you know what? I'm glad we're doing this. No, you and me both, brother. And trust me. This has been a long time coming. Because here's the thing, guys. We wanted to keep this going. We tried to do a lot of different shows, like up to WrestleMania and even in the aftermath of WrestleMania. But things just were not clicking. And just for the two of us, it got so difficult because there's just so much content to cover these days. And I, I honestly, I don't blame guys like Brian Zane or even Steven Larson or any other people who are... You know, yeah, the guys at Cultaholic, What Culture Wrestling. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, and I, I just so, mean, the thing of it is, is, like, so many of them have decided not to cover, like, Raw and SmackDown anymore just because they don't feel like it's worth their time anymore. But, obviously, yeah. we want to be yeah. a comprehensive show. So, that is why we went out and we found a third individual to get started on this show with us. You guys will meet him sometime this week. His name is Britton McPherson. Very knowledgeable guy. Great, great personality. He's from around my area. Really good dude. Has actually worked in the independent wrestling scene. So I can't wait for you guys to hear his insight and get to know his kind of background in regards to, you know, his experience with wrestling, his viewpoints on a lot of things. Agreed. And also, and. I was gonna also add Go on. We've all I've also met him in person. Actually, James. I mean, we met him on the Jericho cruise. So definitely know yes, that this is. man is a fan. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like really, like I said, great dude. We will see him again on the triple whammy when we head that direction in October, which I am super excited for. Um, just a couple more payments to go on that, and I will have that covered and ready to go. So we've got that to look forward yeah. to. There's a lot of I need to stop dragging my heels and finish my taxes. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> get, stop dragging my heels, finish my taxes. I can drop one nice payment, and then all I gotta do is just pay the plane ticket. I'm good to go. Yeah, that's that's the only other thing I gotta figure out is plane tickets. But other than that, I'm good to go. Okay, guys. So again, just to give you guys kind of an idea, we've updated the format a little bit to re, uh, to reflect the new hosting duties that all of us are gonna have. So uh, Raw and NXT will be me and Ryan. That'll be the team that you'll have. We will be on either Wednesday or Thursday, depending on how things work out. On Saturday, you will hear Ryan and Brenton, and they will be going over Impact and SmackDown. Then on Sundays, it'll be myself and Brenton going over 
NXT UK, along with Dynamite, any other kind of information that he thinks is necessary out of NJPW. Because out, out of the three of us, he's the only one who follows that very closely. I mean, I follow it yeah. here and there, but not nearly as much as he does. So, and then, yeah, of course, that's true. Uh, we will try to work in pay-per-view reviews as much as possible as well. Uh, yeah. Any news headlines that are important to cover, we will cover those as well in our podcast. Uh, we have actually got a pretty big one to talk about today, so we'll get to that here in just a couple of yeah. seconds. But before we get into it, guys, we know that you guys like to you know, interact with us, send in your questions, your comments, and things like that. Here's the thing. We love talking about those, but when you send those in, make sure that those questions and those comments that you guys are sending in apply to the episode itself. So since today we're talking Raw and NXT, make sure those questions focus on the Raw roster, the NXT roster, the specific goings-on there. Because if we start to get to yep. talking about impact on a show like this, it confuses the audience and it just gets us going all over the place on different tangents. We'd really rather just stay in one lane, or at least in two separate lanes, focus on those things as much as possible. So again, we appreciate the the enthusiasm, we always appreciate the interactions, but we want to make sure that the interactions are focused on the topic at hand for the day, okay? That being said, we've got a couple questions in right now. Let's go ahead and get those out of the way before we get into this big news headline. Let's go. You guys remember me? Yeah, we do, if man. You don't, it's fine. I don't care. Nah, nah. I was Buddy, remember we you. remember you. Trust me. Rusty, we definitely remember you. We're actually surprised you remember us. So... Yeah. I'm more surprised. Okay. It's being it's away been, for a couple weeks. Good, yeah. <laughs> we've, we've been going a while, so thanks for joining us. I have a feeling Bobby Lashley's going to win against Drew McIntyre and um, Ron Show because Bobby Lashley is pretty strong. Yeah, he's, he's pretty strong and he's been booked pretty strong. Exactly. We will get into a lot more about that and a handful of other topics with this week's Raw coming up very shortly. So, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and get into this big news headline. So obviously last week on SmackDown, there was this big thing. It was a universal title match going on between Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. And if Roman Reigns was successful in retaining his universal championship, then Daniel Bryan would be banished from SmackDown. Adios. See you. Bye. Good riddance. And that is exactly what happened. And according to Fightful Select and a bunch of other headline uh, news sites that have been pulling out the same headline, that match apparently was the very last one on Daniel Bryan's contract. He is now a free agent. WWE are more than likely obviously trying to get him back into the fold, try to get him to re-sign with the company so he can keep moving forward. But obviously there's a lot of things that play for Bryan in regards to his, his overall you know, career, his health, and everything else. And maybe he doesn't want to do what the you know they kind of hadn't, in mind creatively for him. I mean, as far as well, a lot of the reports that I've heard, he didn't even want to be a part of the triple threat at WrestleMania. He didn't think he was necessary. He thought they could have built it just fine on Roman versus Edge. And, you know, whether you agree or whether you disagree, that's his feelings on the situation. So with that being said, Ryan, you hear all of this information. What are you thinking? And, you know, hearing that Daniel Bryan's technically a free agent. Now. What's going through your head? Well, first off, I mean, of course, with these news sites, I mean, I'm kind of surprised that that was his last match. But at the same time, I'm very apprehensive on the word free agent because didn't we talk about like a couple weeks ago when we were trying to plan a WrestleMania schedule that Brian's contract was until like the like 
October or September of the, of 2021. When so I looked at it, it said yeah. it was like early September. So at least that was the last I had heard. Maybe something else kind of came up. Maybe it was a much shorter contract. Maybe that was a headline from, you know, a while I mean, back yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, no, I, I agree. Know. Yeah, I don't want to fight you on that. I just felt as if, you know, WWE, they always love to really work the narrative when it comes with wrestlers within their company. I mean, if this is true, that that was Daniel's last match and he is an official free agent, one, having Daniel Bryan lose and be banished is a good way to put heat on Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. But And two, I don't know. Uh, pardon me. Well, two, I was going to say, this does open a lot of doors for, Daniel, for Bryan because, well, because, you know, his wife, Bree, she's still associated with WWE. I mean, after with becoming part of the Hall of Fame, but also with her, the show that she and uh, Nikki have, Total Bellas. Uh, no idea if that is still going or if they are planning on renewing more seasons. So that means with Bree's contract with her associating with the WWE, would that kind of conflict if Brian wanted to actually go outside the company? I mean, there's a lot to consider here, but mainly just looking at the news alone, a part of me wanted, I mean, yeah, the fact that Brian did not want to be a part of the triple threat match, uh, I can understand from his point of view. I do see that, yeah, you could have booked a very stronger one between Edge and Roman Reigns. We, we, could, we didn't need that. Then it makes Edge's heel turn even much more confusing during that build. Because now, look, look, I mean, look what happens. We, we don't, he's not around on SmackDown a lot. I mean, sure, he works on a bit of like a, a part-time schedule, but the build would have been much better if Edge was a face and Roman was the heel. That way we could have had ourselves maybe like a normal, like regular one-on-one match. Then that could have put Roman over, you know. Uh, it's, it's really a lot to wrap. It's, I mean, I was still wrestling with this, pun intended, uh, when I was reading the articles. And I'm still kind of wrestling with this now. I still think Daniel Bryan had a little more to offer. But given how the way he's been booked on and off with the company, it does kind of feel to me that if he wants to move on, I'm, I'm happy for him. I really wish – I really can't wait to see what he plans to do because the, fa- the, the, the hard work he had to do in order to get back in the company. just to, not, not just in the company, just to wrestle again because him – because from – I may not be a fan of the reality TV shows, but just seeing from Total Bellas, Daniel Bryan's progression, his mental state when he wasn't wrestling anymore, and how Bree was able to help him get him back into the game, get back into seeing doctors, his story getting back in the company, very uplifting and emotional. And just for Bryan to be like, I'm done with you guys, and then all of a sudden he doesn't know where he's going anymore, that worries me. I mean, that is, there's a lot to examine here, but the fact of the matter is, you know, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, Vince McMahon, Triple H, Johnny Ace, they are all working their asses off to try to get Daniel Bryan to re-sign with the company because they know, especially, you know, with Tony Khan, you know, lurking in the shadows, you, can you imagine what would happen to the WWE's already abysmal ratings on Monday nights or even on Friday nights, if Brian Danielson were to show up on AEW television and get in Kenny Omega's face, can you imagine? Because every single person who was a fan of Daniel Bryan and his story and everything that went on with I would lose it. Is immediately going to change the channel and stop watching that because 
Now they can see their favorite golden boy on a new network with fresh matchups, fresh opponents, not a creatively stifled working environment. It would be absolutely catastrophic. And if you don't think Vince McMahon and Triple H know that, you're, I'm going to say, you haven't been paying attention because they absolutely know that. And it's a scenario they want to avoid at all costs. I mean, do they? I mean, I can understand Vince when he has a high value, when he has a high value talent, he wants to, he, I'm not going to say he's going to bend over backwards, but he will almost do anything to make sure that they stay with him. But then at the same time, there were, there are, there was talent in his possession that he didn't take advantage of who are now being made much better outside of his company. Um, I mean, the fact is, over the, the constant release of wrestlers, he lets go of Samoa Joe, which is the biggest what the fuck. Let's go of, let, he lets go of Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, which, however people, whatever people's feelings on the Iconics alone, I thought they were a great, great addition to the women's division. They were great characters. Uh, I mean, sure, they may have not been, like, the best wrestlers when you compare them to Bailey, Sasha, Becky, and Charlotte, and even with Asuka... And even when Ronda Rousey showed up, her progression. But even then, the Iconics were still a great um, foil to almost every act that you brought in. So when you let go of them, I'm thinking, Vince, you really have not kept your eye on them. Because I'm pretty sure whoever the town goes to, whoever company, they're going to do a great job. Because my, my best example of a wrestler that was a part of WWE or through the NXT brands that are doing better, uh, Solomon Crow, who is now uh, Sammy Callahan. He is fucking yeah. fantastic on Impact. And Ty Conti. She wasn't used much on NXT, but once she became part of AEW, her work ethic started to show. She improved greatly in the ring. They were doing so much to mix her judo background, her mixed martial arts background, into wrestling to now. You can see she's one of the top five, top five valuable wrestlers in the AEW women's division. But that is Here's just my thing. simple opinion. Here's the thing. I, I would agree with you if it weren't for this. How many of those individuals that you're talking about that they've let go and they've done well for themselves in other organizations have been and then they come back yeah. the WWE Universe to the level that Daniel Bryan was, to the point where Rey Mysterio, who has been throughout his entire career, got booed out of the building in Philadelphia, and he came out instead of Daniel Bryan at number 30 in a Royal Rumble match. Yeah. No, no, I don't blame you on no that. Other, there has been no other individual in the WWE who has come through that company in the last 10 years who has gotten over and resonated with the fans to the level that Brian had. And, we, and again, we know how loyal wrestling fans are. When they, get, you know, when they get connected or they feel that connection to a talent, they will ride or die with that talent regardless. And that's exactly what I think is going to happen if Daniel Bryan is to go to state an Impact, or a New Japan, or an AEW. Those people will follow him, and Vince McMahon is going to lose his shit because his ratings are going to continue to tank. And you're right. You are completely right. Vince is going to look at this from a business standpoint. But he, uh, th- but there, of course, is a complete difference between him being a businessman, and I put in air quotes businessman, and him being a television producer or a showrunner. Because there's com- he, he shows complete different. Uh, you know what? I'm not gonna get on this little tirade. I've gone on this so many times. We're even gonna we're probably gonna dip into this when we talk about Raw and NXT. But yeah, we'll we'll definitely go on a couple of more tangents. I'm sure. But I will say you but, do um, have a, a solid point. You have a solid point. Vince knows he his eye is not as glassy or as hazy as I'd like to think it is. When he has his eye fixed on something, he will keep his mind sharp and focused to the you know to the point. And knowing Hunter. 
Hunter, when he has a talent he wants to work with, he will do his best to make sure that they, they, they're at least treated like the talent they are. And Johnny Ace, as much as I don't like what he does with the women's division, at least when it comes with certain male wrestlers, he does have good working relationships with them. Yeah. All right. But in any case, that's the big, the big news piece that I wanted to talk about really quick. Let's get through a couple more questions really quick, and then we will go into our Raw review. Sorry if, I'm, sorry if I haven't been watching the live streams. I've been pretty busy. Sorry if hey. I missed them. Hey, that's oh, okay, man. Everybody's kid, got stuff been, going on, believe me. We've been, kid, we've we've been very busy, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, we, we haven't had a lot of time for live streams. Granted, yeah, we did one for WrestleMania where uh, Ryan about puked his guts out with the uh, ranch-flavored soda. God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think he's having PTSD flashbacks right about now. But, yeah, if you haven't had an opportunity to go ahead and check those out, go ahead over to Shimanator Productions on YouTube. That's H-I-M-O. N-A-T-E-R production and uh, give that. That's a WrestleMania Night 2 watch along if you guys want to. Yeah, I think I put in time hey, codes um, for that. Maybe I'll watch your stream later or tomorrow or whatever when you stream again. I have to go, so yeah, sorry if I um, sorry if I um, can't make it. Hey, that's okay, Super Mario Logan. All is forgiven. Fine. No big deal, and like, trust me, you get it. Life gets in the way sometimes. It happens. We appreciate you being here for the time that you're able to be here. And hey, whenever you get an opportunity to check out those live streams, that's completely your prerogative, dude. It doesn't matter if you watch live or watch replay. We just appreciate you watching in the first place. All, All right. forgiven, my friend. Don't worry about it. Absolutely. Okay, so let's get into it. Raw this week. Uh, holy shit. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be as objective about this as possible. So here's the thing: we are gonna kind of streamline our review process just a little bit. Basically, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go over Raw Where's and you? NXT just in a brief little overview with the, uh, just a brief, very quick flyby of the key points of each segment, each match, and then we'll get deep diving into maybe like the top two or three things that I really want to talk about with each show. And that's kind of the way we're gonna keep these. Keep these shows brief. We're going to try not to go on these rambling tirades because Lord knows yeah. we can't keep having a three- to four-hour show. So that's just going to take a little yeah. time. And uh, I need to. <laughs> okay, so now to start off, we get a recap of Braun Strowman getting added to the Backlash main event. Uh, we then go backstage where there's a coin flip being held in terms of the challenge Bobby Lashley in the main event. Braun Strowman ends up winning Braun. Uh, we then move to AJ Styles and Omos in the ring for a promo, talk about their you know tag title victory at WrestleMania. Uh, they then uh, are interrupted by the New Day, who are you know raring to go for another match. They want a rematch. They want those Raw tag team titles back. AJ and Omos accept. Uh, we get a next match up next: Styles and Omos versus the New Day for the tag team titles. Uh, Omos, the uh, big old brick shit house, is knocking guys around until AJ Styles gets up on his shoulders. Hits the phenomenal forearm off of Omos's shoulders to pick up a pinfall victory. Your winners and still WWE Raw Tag Team Champions, Omos and AJ Styles. Uh, we then get Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville backstage. Sonya was talking to Charlotte, laying out a few things. Pierce wondering what the hell was going on there. Uh, Sonya says there's nothing, but Pierce lets him know, hey, you're overstepping this a little bit. Back it up. Uh, we then get a Caleb Braxton interview with Bobby Lashley. Just the typical stuff. It's like, I'm going to beat Braun Strowman's ass, blah, blah, blah. Uh, then we get a promo for Eva Marie. All red, everything that has pink hair is getting ready to return to the WWE. 
Yep. Oh Lord, the apocalypse is upon us. Where is Ross when we need him? The end is nigh. The end is nigh. Time to run away. Anyway, uh, shout out to Ross uh, Twiddell over at Chilmaholic. Big fan. Uh, we then get enough, uh, we, like I said, we had that uh, backstage promo. Lashley calls himself a freak of nature, says he's way stronger than anybody else on the roster. MVP talks up Lashley, says he will stop the Strowman Express later on tonight. Uh, we then go to a recap of the New Day and Damian Priest throwing tomatoes at Miz, Morrison, Jackson, Riker, and Elias last week. Uh, we then cut to the New Day icing up after their match. Uh, Elias and Riker are around the corner with tomatoes. They go to throw uh, tomatoes at the New Day, but Randy Orton is in the sight line, so he gets hit instead. Then we move to a Charlotte Flair match versus Dana Brooke with Mandy Rose inside. Uh, Charlotte gets the easy uh, Brian, you doing all right over there? It sounds like you're shaking something around. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going up some stairs. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ah, okay. I'm, I'm, I was going upstairs so I can. Yeah, no worries. I'm standing still now. <laughs> okay, no big deal. Uh, so, like I said, Charlotte gets the one with a figure eight, grown. Then we get Sonya Deville out in the ring along with Charlotte, who's cutting an in-ring promo. Uh, she says that, uh, you know, she gives Charlotte a, an opportunity to talk. Charlotte says she wants to add a when the title match is backlash. Uh, Sonya yeah. gives Charlotte what she wants. Obviously, Rhea Ripley and Oscar are not very happy about it. Uh, Rhea says uh, Charlotte doesn't deserve to be in the main event because nobody likes her. Oscar calls the whole thing bullcrap, which I absolutely agree with. Uh, we then cut, uh, after that's all done, uh, we cut to backstage where Caleb Braxton is interviewing Umberto Carrillo. Uh, says he doesn't appreciate being disrespected by Seamus, who Seamus then comes in and lays him out. Uh, we then see Miz and Morrison on the way to the ring, but before that we see Adam Pierce backstage with Tony Bill talking about her decision to um, add Charlotte Flair to the Raw Women's Championship match at WrestleMania Backlash. He's not happy about it. But, again, Sonya just kind of plays it off. It looks like Sonya Deville's playing some kind of awesome takeover. We'll see exactly I mean, it, does, it does sound like a takeover or just more of like they're going to split the responsibilities, honestly, to me. <laughs> Who knows? It, it definitely seems like, though, she's trying to usurp Pierce's position in one way, shape, or form. Uh, in any case, uh, then we see Miz and Morrison who are in the ring. Uh, they cut a pre-match promo. Miz says that John Morrison's going to basically beat some respect in the Damian Priest tonight. We then go to that match, Damian Priest versus John Morrison. Priest gets a easy, pretty, pretty quick and easy win uh, with the hit the light. Uh, and then we see uh, Mansoor backstage. We finally get to see a main roster debut for Mansoor, who's been, you know, on main events, been killing it, from what I understand. Uh, first ever Saudi-born WWE superstar. At least that's how they like to tout him. Uh, he has a little run-in with Sheamus backstage while he's signing his raw contract, which will lead into a match later tonight. Uh, we then get a match between the Lucha House Party and Cedric Alexander and uh, Shelton Benjamin. Uh, oh, we here we go. Another quick and short match. Graham Ethelie hits a big elbow drop from the top rope for the win, which then leads to argument and dissension between Cedric and Shelton. That team is eventually done, so we'll get more into that here in a couple seconds because that's a whole another freaking tirade that I can't afford to get into right now. I'll get through the rest yeah, of the show. Let's, yeah, um, we'll stay focused. <laughs> We get Angel Garza backstage, kind of walking around with his little rose. Runs into Drew Gulak, who starts laughing at him about it. Sets up a match for later. Uh, we then get, uh, you know, a big thing promoting the success of Young Rock, which uh, I, I haven't watched the show yet, but I've heard it's very funny. I might have to check it out. Uh, we then get uh, Caleb Braxton interviewing Shelton Benjamin about what just happened with Cedric. Uh, 
uh, you know, your standard, like, hey, he can go his own way. I'm still going to be here because I'm going to do it better than he did. Yada, yada, yada. We then go to Drew Gulak versus Angel Garza. Squash match, squash match in favor of Garza, who then takes his rose, sticks it in the back of uh, Drew Gulak's tights, and kicks him in the back so that basically the thorns go right into Drew Gulak's ass. Uh, we then see Riddle backstage. Uh, he's talking with Viking Raiders, mentions the NFL draft, because Vikings, Raiders, yada, yada, yada. I would say, eh, stoner humor. Uh, then we see him run into Randy Orton, who is obviously still not happy about the whole tomato situation, which then sets up uh, the two of them head out for their tag team match against Elias and Riker because of that incident. Uh, we get the team, uh, everyone is calling R.K. Grow versus Elias and Jackson Riker. Again, quick, easy win. For RK Bro. We then get a Caleb Braxton interview with Drew McIntyre. Uh, Drew says he will leave uh, Backlash as the WWE champion, regardless of what Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman do to try to stop him. Uh, we then get Mansoor versus Sheamus. Big stiff match. Sheamus ends up getting the win by disqualification because Humberto Carrillo comes out and attacks him mid match. Uh, at the end of the match, Sheamus lays out both Mansoor and Humberto Carrillo. Uh, we then get Alexa's playground. Alexa uh, is sitting with her little creepy puppet, disfigured friend, this, that, and the other. Uh, says that she has found her next target, somebody she's had her eye on, and we'll find out who that is apparently in the next couple of weeks. We then get a quick squash match for the Women's Tag Team Championships. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defending against Lana and Naomi. And, of course, the champs retain because, let's face it, we can't have anything nice in WWE anymore. He'll get run the show. And then last but not least, we have our main event, Bobby Lashley versus Braun Strowman. Drew McIntyre is on commentary. At one point, though, uh, uh, Strowman and Lashley are fighting on the outside. Drew and Strowman end up getting into each other's face, getting into a bit of a shouting match, which eventually allows Lashley to capitalize and hit the spear on Braun Strowman for the 1-2-3. And that is where we end the show Okay, so um, a couple things stood out to me on the show. First of all, uh, best match of the night, in my opinion, were the opener and the main event. Because, let's face it, those are the only two that had any actual kind of team behind them. Uh, you've got, like I said, AJ and Omos are a great tag team. It's like, you know, uh, what are the, oh, God, what were the two little dogs in those Limpsons cartoons? Uh, Chester and Spike. Yeah, you know, I, I could remember the name. Chester was the little guy. Basically, that's the way it's going. AJ's the little guy talking his mouth off. Uh, Omos is the big dog. Uh, not the big dog like Roman Reigns, but the bigger guy who can, you know, bark loud and also back it up with the fight. Um, and again, great. We know that Xavier and Kofi are great at the selling the comedy and things like that. And even though there is a comedy angle to this whole thing, the New Day has proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are great at not only you know, competing and doing the comedy and this, that, and the other, but they're also great at putting that serious edge to them when they need to. We saw it with the whole New Day uh, versus Uso feud, Hell in a Cell stuff, and this and that. They still had fun with it. They had the instruments in there. They had the rainbow-colored candlestick stick and this and that, but they can bring the violence when they need to as well. Um, yeah. Whether or not this is the last time they're going to have an opportunity to title for a while, I don't know, but um, it worries me that they're literally like the only legit team left in the Raw Tag Team division that hasn't, you know, been split up yet forcibly, uh, aside from Metalik and Lince Dorado, but 
Uh, let's face it, that's probably coming sooner rather than later because we can't have fucking nice things. Uh, Ryan, your thoughts on the whole match with uh, the New Day versus Omos and uh, Well, I mean, I'll just quickly be brief about this one. One thing I did like about this was that the New Day didn't try to paint the New Day as idiots, you know, like having New Day as if they want to challenge the big man Omos to see... To, for them trying to prove something. They came in as veterans, so they knew the moment that AJ had accidentally tagged himself back in, they decided, no, they're going to try to beat him down, make sure he doesn't tag in Omos, so then they could retain their championship, you know, try to prove that, that proving why they're over, like, they're 10, 11-time champions, because they're, they're veterans of this. They know exactly how to win. But... I mean, of course, you know, Omos comes in. He does the big man stuff. I mean, obviously, that's what they're going to do. He's very limited, unfortunately. Like, like I, I'm not going to say, like, he's green to where, like, he's so green you can see. A, like, he matches the le- the color of the leaves on a, ch- of a palm tree. But he right. is green. Yeah. I mean, but, I, don't, I wouldn't but, even necessarily say that he's green necessarily. But, like you said, limited in the way, like, someone like Kali was limited, you know. He's, he's got size, yeah, but outside of that, what else is he able to do, you know what I mean? Like, he's not one of the, he's not like a big man that can also bring the athleticism, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's mainly just his height that unfortunately kind of throws, that kind of limits him. I mean, we don't know exactly how his height can adjust when it comes to doing fast, high, fast pace moves. Well, at least when we know when it comes with high impact moves, he's going to be that guy to do so, without a doubt. Exactly. Okay, like I said, the, the main event was decent because, again, at least there was some semblance of a story going on there because, again, we've got, you know, Braun trying to work his way into that triple threat. Honestly, I think he was put in there so that neither Drew nor Lashley ended up having to take a pin so that they both could come out looking strong and they could get one yeah. freaking match out of this, that money in the bank or something like that. Um, or whatever. But over, I mean, let's face it, Strowman, they have just absolutely torpedoed any momentum he has ever had at seemingly every possible turn. And it's, it, that's the thing, is none of it is his fault. It's just stupid, illogical booking decisions. I, would, I agree with that, stupid, illogical booking decisions. But at the same time, Strowman also fall, falls victim to... Uh, Vince wanting to put over his, and I'm putting in air quotes, his select golden boys. Now, what I mean by that is, but when we look back at Strowman, the first time he was really on a rise was when they paired him against Roman to make Roman look like a good baby face. But of course, Strowman was put over because he was going, because this was Roman at the time where people kept, where it's consistently hating him. Vince and I should say, as the businessman, really should have looked at that, propelled Strowman to where he became Universal Championship, where he became a Universal Champion. But that, that is where the first two strikes are. He puts him against Brock Lesnar. This is where Brock carries that damn belt because, oh, Vince wants Roman to take it off of him. But you know what, you know what happens throughout that entire year? He buries Strowman twice. Once at a, once at, I think at a pay-per-view and then the second time was when Roman had to relinquish the championship, and they do it at a fucking crown jewel. If he had just put the belt on Strowman before he put it on Roman, maybe 
And I'm saying this just maybe Strowman would not have would not be struggling as much as he is right now. But that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't disagree with you. I do, I do agree that putting the title on Brock in Saudi Arabia when Roman had to had to drop it because of the diagnosis was a stupid decision. I firmly believe it should have been put on Strowman, like yeah. hands down, a hundred percent. Or even when Strowman became Money in the Bank, they made they decided to turn him heel because you know. They wanted to make Roman look like a baby face and then, of course, reunite the shield. Yeah. Which, again, was a stupid idea. But in any case, the bottom line is, like, when that happened, Strowman should have been the one to carry the title. My theory is, and again, I have no real basis for this, Vince probably took a look at the situation and said, Brock's a draw at this point, Strowman's not. And for well, better or for yeah, worse... Yeah, no shit, Adam, he's a draw, but- but that's that's the that's the thing is like he didn't think he could actually make Strowman into a draw to carry that company while Roman was gone, so he inevitably just defaulted back to his usual comfort zone, which again, stupid decision. Vince seems to have forgotten that when it comes to business, when it comes to running a business, when it comes to expanding a business and keeping it going, you've got to keep it fresh. You've got to be willing to take risks. Vince McMahon loves to play things way too fucking safe these days. And it's to the detriment of the WWE, it's to the detriment of the creative process, and it's to the detriment of the fans who have to sit through the same old tired shtick over and over again, which we're going to get into in a second. Yeah. Hey, look, I mean, Braun Strowman is just one of, I would say, a hundred time of a hundred wrestlers, superstars that Vince really should have decided to maybe scrap a long-term plan and put some weight behind these wrestlers. And I'm not saying just to, just to make the fans or myself happy, but just for the sake of following into the whole idea of, of the chaos in wrestling. You have no idea who's going to be favored. You have no idea who's going to be on top. It's gonna be. I'm gonna have similar criticisms when it comes with AEW on how they like to book long-term champions because sometimes with the big roster they have, there are going to be some necess- there's going to be some times where they're going to need to have one title that just switches from champion. Not 24-7, not like the 24-7 title, but I mean book a champion, have them strong, but then trade off the champion. That way we can try to book some interesting pairings, interesting rivalries. But that's a whole thing for another time. But with Braun Strowman, yeah. he should have been universal champion at least twice. And I, and I'm not and maybe the first he should have gotten it before Roman won it off of uh, Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. I mean, it was during the actually he should have won it before WrestleMania 34. So instead of Brock versus Roman, we could have Strowman versus Roman and see how that could have gone. Then Roman could be the champion, and you know, let's see where it goes. That's like I say, this is just me building this shit up in my head, you know. Yeah. No, I mean. Like I said, it's it's messed up that this is the way the direction that goes. But again, it's Vince McMahon being his stubborn seventy-five-year-old self who can't think anywhere past the nineteen eighties in terms of booking decisions. Speaking of which, once again, mm-hmm. we come back to the same tired goddamn storyline of shoehorn Charlotte Flair. Here's the thing, and I, I will preface this right away by saying, I have nothing personal against Charlotte Flair. I have nothing personal against Ashley Fleer, which is her which is her shoot name. I have nothing against her. I'm sure she's a wonderful person. Anybody who I've 
talked to who has met her in person says that she's absolutely lovely. This is not a condemnation of her or her you know, personality or anything like that. None whatsoever. But god damn am I sick of seeing her in the freaking women's title picture. You are Vince. Why haven't you learned this? This is the same bullshit that you pulled with Hulk Hogan. It's the same bullshit that you pulled with John Cena. It's the same bullshit that you pulled with Roman Reigns. And now you're giving it to us again, and we are sick and tired of it. Do something fresh. Do something new. Instead of giving us the same old rehashed crap time after time after time. Trust me, if you were if you weren't screaming right now, I would. This is exact. I've said this to you on so many occasions. I maybe even said during one of our previous stereo sessions. This is one of this ep, this episode of Raw and last week pretty much represented. It pretty much flat out said why I'm not a fan of the booking around Charlotte. Now, when Charlotte started, when she got her call from NXT, when they booked her so big to where she had a a pay per view unbeatable, like a pay per view undefeated streak, to where she had won. Where she had won every time she defended a championship at WrestleMania or she challenged for a championship at WrestleMania, she won. This is one of the reasons why they were going to burn her out fast to the point to where the moment they start bringing in new talent, they will have no idea how, what to do with them because they spent most of their time trying to make Charlotte look great because what? Because because she's the daughter of Ric Flair. If she was not the daughter of Ric Flair, she'd be floundering around the women's division. Just like any other wrestler. I, I disagree because, let's face it, Charlotte Flair ticks all the boxes for what Vince McMahon sees as a top-tier women's champion. Blonde, stacked, pretty smile. All, it's that same tired-ass mentality uh, that, that he used with Trish Stratus. Now, don't get me wrong. It worked. It worked for Trish. Because oh, no, Trish put the work in. Trish put all of the work in to move past that blonde model bimbo shtick. That every single, like, the same kind of stuff that Kelly Kelly had that bogged her down as a women's, as a divas champion. Excuse me. That kind of, that was, that kind of mentality is what, what I see with that. Now, don't get me wrong. Again, I'm sure she's a lovely person, but again, she ticks all of those boxes appearance-wise that Vince McMahon has for a top-tier women's champion. Regardless of what her family lineage is so no in my opinion whether i definitely phrase that wrong yeah whether she's daughter or not Mm -hmm. she is absolutely 100 percent the kind of person the kind of woman that vince mcmahon would have wanted to push from day one okay i phrase that wrong i i I don't mean as if she was going to be somewhere within the low tier what i meant to say was that she would not have been as dominant as she was she would not have had Again, that debatable, no, but I, maybe. I, I know it's debatable, but I, I just want to say this, and definitely we can get back on this later. I'm just saying that if she, I'm pretty sure she would have been booked the way she was booked on NXT a little bit, you know, where she was just coming up, she had a couple of rivalries, and then you know she'd be she'd be champion for a couple months, and then maybe she'd be floundering around and be back on top. Now, I think the way if if she had came up at the same time as Becky and uh, Sasha. If she wasn't Ric Flair's daughter, all I would have fa- all I would have figured, she would not have been the one to beat uh, the Bellas for the Divas title. 
a part of me feels that would have been they they may have would have saved it for WrestleMania for her to win the championship at WrestleMania, and then they'd start booking her that way. I don't think she would have had that incredible rivalry with Sasha Banks to where they trade the championship back and forth for three pay per views. To me, it would have been two pay per views, and she would not have been the one to fight Trish Stratus. Honestly, that's what I'm thinking. Certain highlight moments of her career, I don't think she would have gotten that if she was just. If she wasn't Ric Flair's daughter. And look, this is me, me unfortunately putting her into a box. But the fact is, she came every time. Every, almost every run she's had, they've had to bring in Ric Flair to make her look good to the crowd. To sell her to the crowd. When she, when, I mean, when, it, when Paige turned heel against her, who was by her side? Ric Flair. When she was a heel, who was by her side? Ric Flair. When she became a face again... Who who do they bring? Who do they bring to her when she beat Natalia in 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 uh, in, in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina? Ric Flair. She has been. They have tied Ric Flair to her too many times to where I didn't think she was ever going to be successful on her own. So whenever I did see her be paired up again, when she had when she broke Oscar's streak, I'm like, this didn't feel earned. Or when she fought Trish Stratus, that didn't feel earned. Or when she became a uh, what a, a seven, nearly eight-time champion that did not feel earned because nothing, not many of her matches, not many of her rivalries outside of Charlotte, Paige, and Becky have warrant her being this of a dominant champion. And now we're seeing it right now. She comes back. She doesn't have a. She doesn't fight for a championship at WrestleMania. Okay, she's back to being a heel again. She's gonna want to be in the spotlight. Fair enough. And now she's inserted into a championship. Well, let's not forget, two weeks ago on Raw, she struck a referee. And then she gets suspended. And then they bring in Sonya Deville for the whole uh, power, the, the GM clash. Just so be like, no, this company needs Charlotte. Are you fucking kidding me? Why don't you just have Charlotte be banned, then have her come back maybe three weeks later, three weeks into her suspension and go, I want to be in the WrestleMania. I want to be in the title hunt and then have this whole thing where Sonya Deville starts to try to pull some weight around. Like, this felt too quick. This should have been dragged out a little more the and then is, you pull the, the thing pin. Is, is that the way that they have booked this right now, and again, the way that the way in Vince McMahon's head that this works is the raw, any women's title picture doesn't work unless Charlotte Flair's in it. And That's he, why I don't like it. You can't see a women's title picture without Charlotte Flair in it, which is insanity, which is ridiculous which is stupid. If you don't move certain people out of the spotlight, if you don't try unproven talent to see if they can get over and get into that upper echelon, how in the hell are you ever going to build for the future? You can't. I mean, that's, and it's yeah. fucking infuriating. At this point, Vince is going to keep having that unproven talent until finally he just throws the belt on them, and then he's going to wonder himself, well, why aren't you drawing? Why aren't you selling the T-shirt? Why isn't the merch working for you? Um, because how about not because a reason to. Because yes. you, you literally have not presented them in a way that would entice us to buy their merch because you don't give them an opportunity because you've got your freaking favorites who you want to push regardless of whether or not anybody wants to pay to see them. Yeah. Here's, here's, here's one thing I'm going to say, and this is something I came across listening to Wrestling Observer when they were talking about the rosters between AEW and Raw, 
Now, of course, they made the joke to where AEW has over 400 people signed to their roster compared to WWE to where they have a couple hundred. But with AEW, despite the internet, the streaming shows they have on YouTube and Dynamite, they're always... One thing they did bring up the big difference between them was that they had a good circulation of wrestlers to put on for shows. When it came with just wrestlers, either if it's a mixture of up-and-coming talent from uh, Cody's Nightmare Factory or wrestlers who's been around the indies in a while, they're always circulating. Like on Dark, you'll, every now and then you'll see certain tag team wrestlers, and then, uh, then you'll see them two weeks later on another Dark, or now with Dark Elevation, and even with Dynamite. Sure, the Young Bucks are still around, but you see them wrestle maybe once every two weeks on Dynamite. Same with uh, John Moxley now. And it's the same I'm seeing with Darby Allen with his team. I mean, sure, he's defending the championship more, but you still saw him on Raw. You still saw him on Dynamite, and then maybe he'll fight on Dark. And I'm seeing the same when it comes with Scorpio Sky or with Miro or with uh, the best friends or with Orange Cassidy, Pac, P- Penta El Zero, Ray Phoenix, Ethan Page. Even with the guys on Dark, with the Varsity Blondes, Lance Archer, Thunder Rosa, Al Garcia, The Pink Dream, uh, the inner, Sammy Guevara, Pride and Powerful, FTR, Sean Spears. I can keep going and going because they're, 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 they remain relevant because they're circulating them out through each show. Yeah. What does Vince do? We get the same six wrestlers, and then sometimes they'll work two. Didn't this, didn't this last two weeks we saw Charlotte? Last week, Charlotte wrestled two matches along with uh, Bobby, along with Drew McIntyre. And then this week, we had three separate segments with MVP and Bobby Lashley all saying the same thing. Bobby Lashley's going to kill Drew or Braun at WrestleMania Backlash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much it's pretty accurate. And you're right. It's pretty the thing mu- of it is, is that AEW is doing what WWE should be doing rotating in fresh talent to give the people who have been overexposed for a while a little time to kind of cool off a little bit. Not, I'm not going to say fade out of the audience's consciousness, but at least sit on the back burner long enough to give us some space, to give us some breathing room so we don't get burned out. But instead, yeah, don't they, I'm going to say, they just keep WWE and more important trying to take a plunger and shove these people down our throats and force us to accept that. I'm going to, sorry, dude, not freaking happening. At this point, I am the rebellious teenager who's saying, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do, Dad. Yeah. Stop putting the, anyway. bro- stop putting the, Brussels, sprouts in, stop putting the Brussels sprouts in front of me and just give me the goddamn applesauce, okay? <laughs> nah, screw, I'm going to say, screw that. Give me mashed potatoes and gravy, damn it. Anyway, let's go ahead and move on. Let's move into something that is less rage-inducing, that gives me less of an opportunity for a myograin, and that is NXT. <laughs> NXT this week was actually a ton of fun. I think they really had to, to bring it because they knew what was coming the next night in regards to AEW. They knew they had to stack up something that was going to measure up at least to a degree with blood and guts. Exactly. So there was a lot going on here. First of all, we started off the show with a nice little grudge match. False count anywhere between Isaiah Swerve, Scott, and Leon Ruff. I mean, these guys fought hither and gone all over the place. Eventually, a member of uh, Swerve's entourage gets in there and intercepts uh, Ruff out of midair, drops him, tosses him back in the ring where uh, 
Scott hits the a JML driver to get the win. Uh, we then see Finn Balor arriving at the building. We also see that Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory are heading to talk to William Regal, but unfortunately, Scarlett is already in there, so they head back out, not, but not before uh, Austin takes a look at Scarlett's nails and say, you know, are those things, you know, like, real or whatever? Because I guess it's so long, it looks kind of, you know... Well, it was the whole, like, if, before he even said... It was meant to be that whole little, like, he says they're so big before he says the nails. Of course, it's a joke at her breast. I'm like, yeah, right, 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 real, right. Yeah. real mature, real mature Triple H, real mature Sean, real mature Road Dog. Yeah, well, it's a I mean, big come joke. on, it's, they're 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 harkening back to their DX days. So yeah, but at the same time, Austin's character is meant to be a meathead, so I guess he's not as yeah. smart. But I saw a so, smart Austin theory. No, no, I'm gonna stop. Let's just keep going. Let's keep going. Yeah, yeah. So uh, then we get uh, a nice little squash match: uh, Cameron Grimes versus Asher Hale. Grimes gets the win with the cave-in. Uh, nice little win for him. and keep this story going. Uh, we then, uh, when we come back from break, we see that Cameron Grimes is backstage talking about how he's going to go out and celebrate. Ever arrives trying to get out of the party, but Cameron Grimes says, I'm a party at three, me, myself, and I. Heads on out the door. Uh, we then get Casey Catanzaro and Kaylin Carter saying that, you know, they're putting Tian Shaw, they're putting Zia Lee in their, in their rearview mirror. I'm like, she kicked your ass. So if anybody's in the rearview mirror right now, it's you two. Um, yeah. But they say they have eyes on the women's tag team titles, which, given what happens later on in the night, eh, that eh, could be interesting. But I feel like they're just going to kind of flop around in the mid card for a little while. Uh, in any case, uh, in the middle of all that, Frankie Monet, aka Tyler Valkyrie, comes in, gives them a rundown, and kind of throws a little insult their way in, uh, their way, and kind of answers out of there. Uh, then mm-hmm. we get Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher going up against the veterans. Uh, eventually, there's a fracas on the outside, and in the confusion, like all of the uh, commentators get up from the, the table and everything. But apparently, Wade Barrett lost his shoe. In which case, uh, at some point, Timothy Thatcher grabs it, smacks Gibson in the head with it, and then forces uh, Gibson to tap out to the armbar. Again, a ton of fun. Is it a little ridiculous that it took a shoe in order to beat these guys? Yeah, but it's still entertaining as all get out. Uh, we then see. Uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott backstage. He's getting ready to leave the ring. Brags about beating Leon Ruff earlier tonight. Uh, Gargano uh, goes back to William Regal, tries to get out of his match with Bronson Reed coming up for the North American Championship. Uh, Regal says no go on that. However, he's informed off the theory that thanks to his new friend Scarlett, he's got a match with Karrion Cross this week. So that'll be interesting. Uh, we then see Carrying Cross come out to the ring. He's looking for a fight. Uh, Alex and Kyle O'Reilly to confront him. Then we get uh, Pete Dunn as well. And then eventually Finn Balor comes out. Finn says, Dunn, I beat you. O'Reilly, I beat you twice. Cross, you and I have to in this business. Dex Cross, a huge brawl breaks out. Eventually, Balor, Dunn, and uh, Balor, Dunn, and O'Reilly are kind of just left, kind of laying or heading up the ring one way or the other. And then Carrying Cross yeah. jumps by Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory ahead of that match coming forth next week. Uh, we then get Saray versus Zeta Ramirez. Both of these ladies have had some very good matches. Uh, or at least Zeta has had some decent matches as of late. But Saray, again, very, very new to NXT. And it, it seems like they brought her in with a lot of hype, but it doesn't really seem like a lot of what she's been doing up to this point, or at least in that first match and then with this one here, really kind of lives up to that hype. She's just kind of there. But we'll see how that kind of carries over as things 
actually going, but it is a very quick win for Saray. Uh, we then get Walter backstage via iPad, just laying into Imperium, laying out some, uh, some marching orders. We see Zoe Stark prevent uh, Tony Storm from attacking Saray after the match. Uh, we then see uh, a promo for a new team or faction called the Diamond Mine. Uh, which kind of sounds interesting. I'm kind of curious. I wonder if that has anything to do with Simon Diamond uh, from TNA and uh, a couple other uh, company fame. Uh, but we'll see what happens with that. Uh, we then get LA Knight versus Jake Atlas. Again, a very quick win for LA Knight with the DFT. Uh, we then see Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell preparing for their match backstage. Dexter Loomis pops up in the window with a, a bouquet of flowers. But Candice LeRae... Not even missing a beat, not even selling. Just shuts the window and they see it's going. I, I, I got to admit, I popped some cards for that. That was, like, that was funny, yeah. Candace yep. and Johnny's commitment to their characters are just flawless, honestly. I love oh, yeah. it. It's that, hilarious. Just so good. <laughs> yep. Uh, we then get a Tony Storm promo saying that she is sick and tired of Zoe Stark. Uh, she says that Zoe's a flash in a pan and that she's going to prove that Tony Storm is, is here to stay, whereas. Uh, Zoe Stark will fade into obscurity. Uh, we then get Santos Escobar and Legado del Fantasma, all of them around the ring. Sheeta is up on the big screen, uh, challenges Escobar to a match for the Cruiserweight Championship. Obviously, Sheeta now has the title, but he says, you want another match? I'll give you another match. Good on you. Uh, we then see Escobar accepts, but then Legado also stakes their claim to the tag team titles currently held by MSK. Uh, we then get uh, Raquel Gonzalez and Mercedes Martinez, trading some insults. There's a nice little war words going on with them. We then move to Cameron Grimes, who's gone to the club. He wants to rent the VIP room, but it turns out somebody else has already bought out the entire building for the night. And it's Ted DiBiase. So, uh, yeah, so they're keeping that thing going. And let's, uh, I'll be honest, like the whole Ted DiBiase thing, at first I was just like, uh, really, they're, they're going to try to do this? Like, what's the payoff going to be? But I will admit, I've gotten, I've gotten a kick out of this segment as well as the... Uh, the, the watch segment from last week. So I, I got to admit, I, I, I'm enjoying it. Uh, let's see. And then we go to our main event, which is a street fight for the NXT Women's Tag Team titles. Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell challenging Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. This match was 50 shades of nuts. Like, there were, you know, weapons flying everywhere, huge, dangerous bumps being taken. Like, when Shotzi jumped off the truss and did a splash through the table on the outside, that was crazy. Going through ladders that weren't breaking, it was absolutely ridiculous. But then again, in the end, uh, Candace is able to hit the Wicked Stepsister onto Shotzi, onto a chair for the win. And Candace LeRae and Indy Hartwell are your new NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. Now, the way is dripping in gold except for Austin Theory, which They'll find something for him to do. Maybe he'll grab the cruiserweight title from Kushida or something. But yeah, so overall, uh, I will say the big, the two big stickout matches for me on this night were obviously the, the opening match, the false count anywhere between Leon Ruff and Isaiah Swerve Scott, and of course the main event for the women's tag team title because those ladies absolutely brought it. Um, and kudos, like I've I've known, I've known men in the wrestling business, or at least known of them, who wouldn't have taken nearly as many crazy bumps and high-risk chances that those ladies took in that match. I mean, we know Candice LeRae is double tough. Like, we've seen what she's been capable of on the indie scene. Like, I'll never forget uh, 
was her and Joey Ryan in an intergender tag match against the Young Bucks when the Young Bucks pulled out uh, a sneaker that had thumbtacks glued to the bottom of it and just absolutely just laid into her. So we know that she can take a good amount of punishment in terms of a match like this. Um, but, yeah, kudos to all four women. That match was – I I I won't say – and you know what? Fuck it, I'll say it. I'd say it's a match of the year candidate for anything. I'll say it. I'm not afraid. Um, but anyway, Ryan, your thoughts on the, the main event brawl between Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell and Shotzi? Well, I will, do, I will say that I'm... There are going to be some people who are going to say, like, oh, why did, they, why did the Shotzi and Ember lose the titles? Uh, but to me, I'm like, they should have lost them earlier because and I'm not saying this is no discredit to Shotzi and Ember. They did great with the championship belts they had. Problem was that during that time, they had already run through some big, their big competition in the women's tag division. And at the time, NXT really wasn't setting up any other uh, women's tag teams. So to me, it made sense that Candice and Indy would take it because them as heels, it would progress well in the storylines to where you have them going out claiming they want competition but then they'll, you know, be the heels, you know, turn away the competition, be like, go and prove yourself, and then you can step up to us. That could have been a good way for them. But, you know, what? I'm talking about what I wanted, but what this match alone was great. Indy and Shasi were true standouts in this match, really showing what mm-hmm. they could do in this match. Some of the creative stuff that was in this match, like uh, seeing a pyramid set up of chairs and then seeing Shasi and Ember put one chair on top of that pyramid, then sit Indy on it, teasing as if they were going to do this nice suicide dive onto Indy to where it either collapsed the chairs or she and, or Shotzi and Indy end up tumbling onto the outside. Now, like, that was a good teaser. I mean, I'm kind of glad. And, and it actually did work with Candace stopping the whole thing. So that's like a very good setup. That's a good story beat in the match. Also, seeing... Um, uh, Shotzi do like a uh, springboard elbow. I mean, no, no, it, that was Indy doing a springboard elbow onto Shotzi to a ladder, yeah, and then of yeah. course seeing Indy hold up a ladder with Shotzi on it, and then having Candace do a springboard moonsault onto that ladder was very good. Uh, at least with Candace, we do know that her background wrestling in these type of uh, like street fights, they are coming to show here even though she doesn't take much of the bumps and risks, but she is the veteran in these kinds of matches to where she knows when she can be used and how to use herself. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I am glad that they won the championships. Now we definitely got ourselves a great dynamic with the way having their belt. And I do like the fact that earlier on before when Johnny and Austin were leaving, they, of course, the interview goes, oh, aren't you going to stick around? They say, no, this is Candace's night. And even though it wasn't for tell, it wasn't foreshadowing anything, but it was still kind of like Johnny. He's not going to get in the. He's not going to get in the way here. So he knows it's their. It's their time. It's their match. Like who's going to interfere? Was Dexter Lewis going to interfere in this match? No, they're not needed. So I like it. it was just the women here. Yeah, no, and I I agree. Like giving her that time to shine was a big deal. Giving both all four of these ladies the time to shine was a big big deal. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, here's the thing. And we've talked about this a number of different times. And it it bears repeating that, you know, NXT 
has a habit of doing these long extended title reigns with their title. Granted, we've seen yeah. them come off of that a little bit lately with like the hot potatoing back and forth with the North American title between Johnny and Damian Priest and Leon Ruff and this and that. Um, they've got to, they, they need, I, I'm not going to say they need to, but it would behoove them to start investigating those shorter kind of title reigns because it makes things a little bit more unexpected, you know? Yeah. It draws interest. It's like, oh, well, this happened? Well, I need to tune into NXT this week because if that happened this week, or if that happened last week, who knows what's going to happen this week? Who knows what's going to happen from week to week? That's how you make yeah. your product appointment viewing because you, you, the audience doesn't know exactly what's happening or exactly what to expect. So, Yeah, it's one of those reasons why I should say this needs to go back to the time of the Attitude Era to where belts were they weren't hot potatoed but if a title change happened on a raw it made wanting to watch raw even more important because fans would be like oh nothing special is going to happen wait bobby lashley lost the championship on a raw wait what and then you want to tune in next week to see will he regain the championship or not that's why i think that's why during that time when vince was doing these long championship reigns he needed to have instead of waiting for a pay-per-view for a title change to happen, have a title change happen on a Raw, on a SmackDown. That way, not only you're building more interest in wanting to watch a show, but having the champions show up on that show, meaning you're going to get some more eyes drawn, and then maybe you'll see if these certain champions can be tested. Yeah. I mean, think about it. With the exception of, like, Miz Lashley or something, or back prior to WrestleMania, when was the last time we actually had a... WWE title change on a Raw. Or even on a SmackDown for crying out loud. That's why I can tell you when the last time it was for SmackDown. The last time it was yeah. for SmackDown was when they first moved to Fox and Kofi got yeah, married. Kofi, yeah, that's, yeah that, that's the one that easily popped in my head. But when it comes with Raw, seriously, I can't even think, I can't even really picture it. No, me either. It had to have been back during like the early 2000s, maybe even the early 2010s. If that maybe during the ruthless aggression era. <laughs> oh no, maybe. wait a minute. No, maybe. Oh, I think it was the the only recent one I can remember was when CM Punk returned. You know when they had to. Uh, mm, yeah, back in 2011. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only recent one I can recall, honestly. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I said, it's but one way or the other, like NXT is still doing fine because again they've got. Triple H, they've got Shawn Michaels, they've got Road Dog kind of running the ship down there. They have they, at least have their they, finger on the pulse enough to know that they've got to change up their booking decisions every once in a while. You know, to me, to me, when it comes to a Vince McMahon creative meeting on the main roster, it's a lot like that one scene in Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. Uh, they're talking like, what the heck are you talking about with like, superhero movies and this and that and this and, that and all of that. And Jason Lee looks at him and he goes, Hi, here's this is the pulse. Here's your finger. Far from the pulse, stand straight up your ass. <laughs> yeah. That literally yeah. feels like exactly what's going on. But in any yeah. case, any any final thoughts you want to leave on with uh, with regard to NXT? Uh, let me think. Well, I do want to have some thoughts on Saray, honestly. Um, Go for it. 
I do agree with you. So the fanfare, the, uh, the 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 hype they built around her character, uh, especially at looking at her debut against Zoe Stark, and then watching this match against um, oh my god, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, uh, Zeta, no, Zeta Ramirez. There it is. Yeah, Zeta. Oh yeah, with Zeta. Now, unfortunately, I think there is. I think unfortunately, some of those matches did fall under the hype, like they didn't meet the expectations, but they were still good wrestling matches. I think the issue was that without having wrestlers, having, having had Japanese wrestlers like Asuka and Il Shirai, the way they booked them, the way they come Dang. across them. Yeah, Kyrie saying the way that these wrestlers have come, the way that these women have shown their personalities, how they were able to stay in themselves out amongst all the other female wrestlers, Saray really does, she really does, she really do have, she really has a high bar to meet, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's that high bar that it's going to be determined whether she can find, hopefully, by the end of 2021, or maybe even before August, she can find her footing to where she can make herself, se- she can separate herself to where she stands out in NXT. If not, yeah. I have no idea how long it's going to take before N- Triple H. I don't think he's going to give up on her. It's just going to be to where even if she turns heel, would that work for her character or not? So I right, exactly. she, like we need to know what her person she needs. Her personality needs to shine. It needs to stand out. It needs to stand out fast. Yeah, I mean we need we honestly we we need to see at least some form of a promo segment with her, like where she's talking. Like, can she speak any form of coherent English, or is she going to be yeah. like Oscar who speaks a little bit of English but then just goes on a tirade in Japanese? Well, I mean, but, she does speak again, Japanese. Yeah. Again, regardless, though, like Asuka's making that whole thing work, and it's it's a nice little hook. So I'm I'm not saying one way or the other it's going to be good or bad. I'm just saying it's something we need to see, and that we if we can if she can bring a personality to it, if she can bring something different to that same kind of thing that Asuka does, doing a doing a similar promo like verbiage, but without the same kind of style that Asuka does. That thing. Intensity that same wackiness, but still pulls something oh, wait. in the building. Then I got something. You know, go for it. What's up? Well, I think what they need to do for uh, international wrestlers like Saray or these other wrestlers who don't have the who don't speak English clearly, they need to do what they did for them during the May Young Classic. Have these nice uh, promo segments with them to where they're speaking in their native tongue, but then of course you know they'll have the subtitles there. Now I get it. Some fans are not gonna be able to follow that, but like I said, have these have these promos be pre-taped, so then you can make a good package or uh, you can build a great uh, promo package around them. That way, this can really help build them down the road. So then, in the meantime, they can work on their promos like a- outside of uh, you know yeah. outside of the bubble. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you bring up the whole idea of like you know people not wanting to read subtitles. My oldest daughter, who's a big Micro Academia fan, I told her that they those up on Funimation, but they're in Japanese subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> so, in any case, <laughs> but one way or the other, it has been a heck of an interesting couple of days. Obviously, we still got Dynamite with Blood and Gus to talk about on Sunday, and I will be doing that with Brendan, along with coverage of anything NJCW related that's significant, along with NXT UK. You and Brenton will be covering both Impact and SmackDown on Saturday. That's going to be a ton of fun. Um, 
uh, let me ask you this because again, just kind of a, a nice little kind of beginner, not a beginner, but almost like a preview for next week. We are going to have on Dynamite. This, this is a big news thing that I probably should have brought up at the beginning. We've got ourselves a big, big match next week on Dynamite. It is the first time ever that the IWGP United States Heavyweight title will be defended outside of Japan. And it's going to be John Mosley versus Yuji Nagata. Like, Ooh, talk about man. a funny match. Like, holy hell. Like, what do you think about that match? Like, how do you see this one going? Do you think Nagata's taking it, or does Moxley hang on to that title? I mean, Moxley's held on to I mean, I'm taking away the whole 2020 thing, but the matches that Moxley has had when New Japan came back, I'll admit, I mean, it's making, it's, it's really bringing in like this. I, I really thought when uh, Moxley was going to defend that against Kenta in New Japan, he was going to drop it to Kenta. But the fact that he kept it, I was, yeah, I thought, wait, what? They're that confident in Moxley? So the fact that it's happening here, I'm going, you know what? Maybe Moxley will retain it. But then at the same time, what would it be for Moxley to lose it on AEW? That way, they'll maybe change its focus on back onto Kenny Omega um, and yeah. with the, the elite. So, I, like, my mind's split here. I mean, I, I know little about the wrestler he's going up against, obviously, honestly. And then, um, but even then, uh, one thing I will bring up when I talk with Brenton regarding Impact is how, unfortunately, the Impact Championship has not been focused too much with Kenny. Maybe there's a bit of a long storyline that's going to be brought up with that. But still, that is a big Big match that's happening on AW, and the fact that with the relationship, and this looks like this could be forming. There's like some implications here in my mind, so I'm thinking this could build into a great relationship or a good open relationship with New Japan, to where maybe some New Japan yeah. wrestlers will start bleed, will finally start bleeding into AW, or vice versa. You know, with AW wrestlers yeah. maybe going to New Japan. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Maybe at a. Uh... All out this year, we get a nice little NJPW Impact AEW kind of super card for that pay per view. Who knows? Um, yeah, there's, all there's I know, all, all, all I will say is the one thing that we do know is it's going to be exciting and it's fresh and it's new, unlike what yes. Jeff McMahon and his big brawny beefy boys are doing. So it's got to it's got to be doing something right. All right, guys. Well, that is going to wrap it up for us this. Uh, on this edition of the Raw and NXT Review Show. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Be sure to join Ryan and Brenton on the same kind of network on Saturday when they take a look at both the Impact as well as uh, Friday Night SmackDown. Join us again on Sunday when myself and Brenton go over NJPW, uh, NXT UK, as well as AEW Dynamite. And be with us next week when we review WWE's WrestleMania Backlash and at the end of the month when we take a look at AEW's Double or Nothing. So all of that and more is on its way. Thank you guys for joining us as always. We have rambled, we have raged, but it's all been for one very good reason. That is the love of this crazy sport that we call professional wrestling. Until next time, guys, my name is James Shimo. He's been Ryan Payne. And hey, ref, ring the bell already. Ding, ding.